Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. This has to be one of the coolest episodes of Bulletproof Radio because we're interviewing one of America's top psychiatrists who's blazed a trail in the field of psychiatry using imaging to see what's actually going on in your brain. We're going to talk about traumatic brain injuries, what to do if you get hit, things to support your brain, what you can do if you or your family has Alzheimer's, and it's, it's kind of just packed throughout this episode with stuff you can do. So listen through all the way to the end and you're gonna just get a continuous stream of good knowledge and good information. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that teams at work are better when they include your friends. Uh, researchers recently at Ohio State University looked at results of 26 different studies, that means it's a meta-analysis, and found teams composed of friends perform better on some tasks than groups of acquaintances or strangers. And they found that friends work together best if the goal is to produce the most output because friends motivate each other. And they said working with friends isn't something that just makes you feel good, it actually produces better results and that working with friends puts you in a better mood and that you can work through the adversity and strain that comes from having to produce a lot in a short time. So if you wanna get a lot done, hire your friends. And if you wanna keep your friends, well, make sure that you're nice to them if you work with them because there's always risks of working with friends, especially if they're lazy. But hey, I didn't say that. And I wasn't talking about any of my friends, of course. If, if, uh, uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out the new Bulletproof Fat Water, we've got water with zero sugar, micro droplets of brain octane in the water, so you get your energy from fat versus sugar, a few extra B vitamins, and it's about 20 calories per bottle, but it tastes amazing, and it's got those, those tiny droplets of brain octane oil, and you really, you really feel it. It's one of my, my favorite new things that we have. We'll ship it to you with free shipping from the e-commerce store, and it's uh, it's one of the things you can use when you want something good to drink, and it's in the afternoon, you don't necessarily want coffee. It's my go-to beverage. All right, today's guest is none other than Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a 10 times New York Times bestseller, I think maybe 11 times. Or Dr. Amen, are you uh, 11 times or 10 times New York Times bestseller, or did you lose count? 10. 10, okay, soon to be 11, I'm sure. Dr. Amen's been on the show before, but he's one of my favorite brain guys on the planet because unbeknownst to him, almost 20 years ago, his work radically changed my life. I can tell you flat out, I would not be recording Bulletproof Radio today if I hadn't have had a spec scan because of his very first book 20 years ago that showed me what was going on in my brain, in my biology was a hardware problem. It wasn't a moral failing. Like I literally looked at my brain and found out, oh look, when I'm trying to <laughs> trying to complete a test at Wharton and nothing happens in my brain, it wasn't because I wasn't trying, it was because there was no blood flow in the front of my brain. So he's, I think, changed the world of, of brain science by just relentlessly talking about this crazy idea that people who work on the brain and work on psychiatry ought to maybe know what's going on inside the brain, not actually look at it instead of just treating behaviors. So on top of that, now he's created the Amen Clinics, which is a, a chain of clinics which have one of the highest public success rates for treating complex psychiatric issues. And he's the lead researcher in the world's largest brain imaging and rehab study on professional football players. 
And he's on Bulletproof Radio today to talk about Memory Rescue, which is his new book. It's Memory Rescue, Supercharge Your Brain, Reverse Memory Loss, Remember What Matters Most. Dr. Amen, it's awesome to have you back on the show. I appreciate your book. I got an early advanced copy that didn't even have the, the cool pretty color on it yet, uh, so I could check it out. I'm, I'm a huge fan of your work, and uh, you've, you've earned the respect of millions of people, even though when you first started on your path 20 years ago, no one had heard of the kind of imaging you were doing. So I'm, I'm super stoked to have you on to talk about memory rescue because everyone listening has the potential to lose their memory the way I did in my, my early 20s. But more importantly, we all have family members, grandparents, parents who are very likely to go through this if you look at the statistics. So I think your book is, is timely and, and helpful and I wanted to share some of that knowledge with people listening today. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, my friend. Always good to talk to you and uh, a huge fan of your new book, Headstrong, and gave it a recommendation. And so many people struggle with brain issues and they don't know. Um, and when they do know, they get afraid and they hide it. And cell phones are um, masterful at hiding problems because, you know, you can type in home and it'll actually take you home. You won't get lost. So we're actually diagnosing memory problems later than ever when we should be intervening super early, like in childhood or adolescence or early adulthood. So memory rescue, people think, oh, well, I don't have Alzheimer's. That's not for me. It's uh, to keep your brain healthy for as long as possible. I came to the realization that I was old when I was young. Uh, by the time I was in my mid-20s, you know, I, had, I had arthritis in my knees for 10 years. I was at high risk for stroke and heart attack, <laughs> according to my blood tests. And uh, when I got my spec scans back uh, from you, it, it was like, wow, I really do. Like, I'm feeling like I'm forgetting things. and I'm feeling like, I, like I'm losing my brain. And I, from what I can measure uh, in terms of my performance, I know my memory is gone. And it, it really happened. So I, I was suddenly like, I don't want to be like this again. And that's been a big motivator for me in my own writing, just my own life. Like, I, I'm not going back to that because it really sucks. But what you just explained there about hiding it, absolutely. You, you take copious notes, you write everything down, you, you build all these crutches into your life because admitting that you're failing or admitting that you're weak uh, is really hard to do, especially in my case. I'm, I'm at one of the world's top business schools and I'm like, maybe I'm just dumber than all my friends. Not recognizing right. it's a memory problem and a, it, it, like a blood flow problem. There's other things going on. So that little voice in your head that's like, I, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. I, I think it's happening in a lot of people. And I, I'm, I'm just profoundly grateful. I was looking at the results of my last uh, scan at Amen Clinics and you have a, a, like a functional assessment. My working memory was 8.5 out of 10. It wasn't like that 20 years ago. Like I am better now. I'm about to turn 45 than I was when I was 25. And like it, it, it's possible, but only if you're willing to face a weight. Maybe I'm not continuously improving with age. Maybe I'm not even holding even. I'm just going down a little bit. How do you recommend that people? Um, how do you recommend that people know if they're going downhill just a little bit? Like, like that takes a lot of self awareness. What's the trick for for developing that? Well, you know, the brain is one of the only organs we don't screen. So people screen their hearts, they screen um, their kidneys, they screen every organ except the brain. And I'm 
hopeful through memory rescue and change your brain, change your life that people will begin when they get to be 40 uh, to think about, well, how can I screen my brain? And people can come to one of our clinics and we'll look at their uh, brain using the SPECT imaging we use. Or we also have online tools that can help them know, well, how's my memory compared to people my age? Uh, screening is just absolutely essential. And, and there's actually a step before then. I remember when I looked at my own scan in 1991, I was horrified. I had scanned <laughs> my mother the week before, and she had a gorgeous brain. But when I looked at mine, it was not nearly as healthy, and she was 60 years old. I was 37. And uh, since then, I developed this concept I call brain envy. You know, as a psychiatrist, I realized Freud was wrong. Penis envy is not the cause of anybody's problems. It's, <laughs> they don't care enough about their brain. You know, it's really three pounds of fat between your ears that if you care about it, then you have to see it. And then you have to see, well, how can I make this better? And, and the really simple idea behind memory rescue is if you want to keep your brain healthy, or in your case or my case, get it back if you think it's headed for trouble, you have to prevent or treat the 11 major risk factors that steal your mind. And we know what they are. And... That's So memory rescue is all about what we call a bright minds approach to optimizing and rescuing your brain. So if you know these risk factors, well, what can you do to prevent them or treat them if you need to? All right. You talked about the, the bright minds uh, approach, which is actually an acronym for those 11 factors, right? Can you walk listeners through maybe the, the three or four most important things that are, are causing those problems? Well, you know, what I learned a long time ago is because everybody asks me that question. You know, it's like, what's the most important thing? And the most important thing, obviously, is you care about your brain. Uh, <laughs> there you go. But, but what we learned, and this is why ginkgo doesn't work or vitamin E by itself doesn't mm -hmm. work. The brain doesn't get sick in one way and therefore it will never get better in uh -huh. one way. and so that's why you know attacking all of them is important and you know since we have time you know i i can run through them and, and i won't torture people with all the detail but the b in bright minds stands for blood flow low blood flow is the number one brain imaging predictor of alzheimer's disease. And so when we looked at your original scan and it had serious low blood flow, if we wouldn't have worked on reversing that trend, then it would have caused you and the people you love serious problems going forward. Um, so what steals blood flow? Um, hypertension. Even prehypertension is associated with lower blood flow to the brain. Which is Any, weird. You think higher blood pressure would get you more blood flow to the brain, right? Except if you put, you know, water under pressure, it actually lowers the output. And so, we want your blood vessels to be pliable, to be flexible, uh, to be soft, to allow more 
uh, blood to, to go through them because, you know, if you think of blood, it's life. It brings nutrients and it takes away toxins. Um, so any form of vascular or heart disease causes blood flow problems. And did you know, I mean, it's the thing that always blows me away, um, erectile dysfunction is a sign of a blood flow problem. And if you, and 40% of 40-year-olds have erectile dysfunction. 70% of 70-year-olds have erectile dysfunction. And I think you, you, you might know my friend Mark Houston, who's a cardiologist in uh, Tennessee. And he said 100% of the people he has evaluated who have erectile dysfunction have heart dysfunction, which means they also have brain dysfunction. Because your brain, even though it's only 2% of your body's weight, uses 20% of the blood flow in your body. So any vascular problem. So if you're not exercising, likely you have blood flow problems. Now, this is where ginkgo shines because ginkgo increases blood flow. The prettiest brains I ever see are brains of people who take ginkgo. And so ginkgo, vinpocetine, beets cayenne pepper, exercise. I mean, they're really simple things people can do to increase blood flow. But the first thing is to avoid anything that might be hurting it. Now, my dad uh, recently, over the last uh, year or so, uh, his cardiologist put him on a blood pressure lowering medication which also radically reduced blood flow to his brain. In fact, I had to send him uh, my OxyHealth uh, hyperbaric chamber, <laughs> the one I have here at Bulletproof Labs. I literally put it in my truck and drove it to him, and it like restored his brain. And it turns out they had lowered his blood pressure so much that his brain wasn't getting enough blood, which is a real common problem in older people on blood pressure meds. So like, I guess there's a, a comfortable middle where if you don't have enough blood pressure, you're not going to like your life. And you have too much, you're not going to like your life. Is well, there a, actually, yeah. that, that's absolutely right. And one of the risk factors for Alzheimer's disease is low blood pressure in the elderly. And so you, you want to get enough so that blood will actually get to your brain. But too much will shut it down as well. Is there an optimal range or does that depend on like how tall you are and things like that? So it's hard to say. Yeah, no, the optimal range is uh, for the lower number, 65 to 80. Below that, people can get dizzy. For the higher number, 100 to about 120. So that would be the optimal range. And they've even found pre-hypertension. So the lower number, the diastolic number, 85 to 90, um, has been associated with brain atrophy and above 130. So there, there is an optimal range. You don't want to go too low or too high. And that's true for most of the things we'll talk about. Um, the, the R in Bright Minds is retirement and aging. When you stop learning, your brain starts dying. And... Uh, so if you're engaged in a job that requires new learning, so I'm sure that's true at Bulletproof, that people God, yeah. are all learning <laughs> what's, what's new and exciting, that there are probably not a lot of people in your company, like my company, who are bored, um, you know, because we're always trying to sort of push the edge. Uh, well, that's good for their 
brain. Um, but also what goes with retirement is people who are lonely have a higher risk for Alzheimer's disease. People who are socially isolated have a higher risk for Alzheimer's disease. People have low levels of acetylcholine, and that tends to drop as we age, or high levels of ferritin. Uh, right. Ferritin is a measure of iron stores. Now, ferritin, like blood pressure, there's an optimal range. Too high puts you at risk for vascular problems. Too low, you can't think, and you're anxious. And so it's always a matter of balance. And so I see a lot of patients who have high ferritin levels. And it's how, would, like, how would a listener know if they have high ferritin without getting a blood test? Does it, they wouldn't. Okay, they need it. to get a blood test. And this is why bleeding people is helpful. Uh, <laughs> Leeches. I knew you were going to bring them up. <laughs> Tana and I were in Istanbul. Tana is my wife. Uh, and we were in Istanbul, and outside the spice market, uh, they were selling leeches. So they were in these huge jugs. Oh. And I looked at my wife, and I'm like, why are they selling leeches? And she's like, it's a health fad. It helps people decrease their ferritin levels, and they think it uh, keeps them young. So if you have low ferritin levels, don't do that. But you know the way we bleed people here in the United States is we send them to the Red Cross, right? right? right. You know, the, if you go donate blood to the Red Cross, which I've done many times, they're like vampires. They're always after you uh, for more. <laughs> I just uh, I just had a procedure. I'm going to talk about soon. It, uh, very few people have had it done, but I had to get 21 vials of blood taken. So I figure if I could do some random procedure like that. You know, once a quarter, I, I should be able to donate enough blood <laughs> that, that I can. But you want your level optimized, and yeah. the optimal level is between 40 and 80. Um, lower than that, iron's important to make dopamine, so yeah. you'll be unfocused. But, but higher, and, and I've always been on the high side, it runs in my family, um, is associated with trouble, bad things, delayed healing, um, and, and so on. So for R, the, the one, you know, if I had to pick one thing, it would make sure you're learning new things every day. It's keeping your mind engaged and not on things. So, you know, both you and I work in high level professions, um, but it's not doing the same thing over and over and over. Because when you learn to do something, you know, whether it's internet marketing or speaking, well, your brain figures out how to do it. And over time, it uses less and less energy to do it. So it's picking up a new instrument or a new language or it's doing something in uh, a new and different way that, that is so important. So this means that playing video games only works if you're constantly switching to a new one that's challenging versus playing the same one over and over and over? Correct. Correct. Tetris can only work so long. Now, the, the fun thing about Tetris yeah. is they've actually done studies and found if you're an addict, a food addict, a cocaine addict, an alcoholic, uh, if you play Tetris for 20 minutes, it'll decrease your cravings. You know, I, I had a problem with Tetris, and maybe you have some, some insight on this. It, it's definitely not in your book. But in my, I think I was a sophomore at university, and I got a, some Nintendo. This is going back like a long time. And I started playing Tetris, and I couldn't stop. And I like missed classes because I just was obsessively playing Tetris. 
And it got to the point that I, I would close my eyes to go to sleep at night and I'd see shapes falling behind my eyes. I'm like, all right, that's <laughs> it. I have to sell my Nintendo. Like, like I just got rid of it. Uh, but what what was going on with that? Is that like a form of addiction? Because I, I still remember to this day, like like fear of Tetris. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, it was, it's fun, but also it puts you to hypnotic trance. Yeah, uh, one of the things. And so I remember when I used to play it. Uh, I mean, now I play it recreationally if I'm on a plane and I'm, we're going to land and I have ten minutes. And I can't yeah. do anything. But um, what I found it would actually put my mind into a hypnotic trance, and time would become distorted. Yes. So I would start playing, then all of a sudden it's three hours later, and I'm like, <laughs> well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> like, don't do that again. So, so for people listening, here's something I want you to test. Get like some language link, like Rosetta Stone or something, and play Tetris and see if you learn languages faster. Like maybe that hypnotic state is a useful state. And because I'm crazy, I am going to wire my brain up at 40 years of Zen to a 24 channel EEG and play Tetris and see what the heck it does. I want to know what the hypnotic state is. Maybe we could use that for hacking our brains. What do you think? Well, I, I think it's certainly interesting <laughs> how it can decrease cravings. Uh, and it probably has its own little dopamine squirt it must. going with it. Uh, or I, I like the better word I like is drip is you want to do activities that drip dopamine throughout the day that help you feel sort of pleasure and happy and focused and motivated. You don't want to pour dopamine. So if you do cocaine, that pours dopamine. Yeah, cocaine and porn. Yeah, those are the two big dopamine things, right? And extreme sports maybe, like almost dying. What what are the Extreme sports clearly would, would do it. Uh, as well. And sometimes uh, video games will as well, especially if you're like murdering 250 people in three minutes, uh, that it is pouring dopamine. And the problem with pouring dopamine, or if you get a big sugar burst, sugar burst pours dopamine as well. Uh, They've actually found people who are overweight have uh, dulled activity in the nucleus accumbens, the pleasure centers where dopamine uh, acts. Isn't you know? I always think that's interesting. That's why you want to avoid cheesecake <laughs> or donuts because they actually are physically wearing out your pleasure centers. So you have to be careful with it. Better to drip dopamine than to pour it. Very interesting advice. Uh, for people listening. So if you're finding yourself addicted to one of those behaviors, uh, dopamine drives a lot of addiction. Gambling for sure is, you know, every time you win, like big squirt of dopamine. But if you have no dopamine because you don't have an interesting life uh, or because you have the inability to make it, you're also not going to like your life. Right. I mean, and that's what we see depression and a motivation and apathy with Parkinson's disease. I actually have a funny story. I tell this story in the book. Um, one of uh, my professors when I was in college, the most proper man uh, you can imagine. And I was dating his daughter. Uh, and just, I mean, it was religious and sweet and kind. And he ended up with a form of Parkinson's disease. And all of a sudden, his favorite shows on television are Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer. And it's like, you know, it just didn't compute to me until I realized he wasn't producing dopamine and he needed Dr. Phil screaming at somebody or Jerry (laughs) Springer having some crazy, you know, family drama 
in order for him to feel anything at all. Isn't that interesting? So you want to protect your dopamine centers. And one of the things that kills them are toxins, which we're going to get to. It's the T in bright. Oh, yeah. I was hoping you'd go there. That was a big issue for me. Let's talk about toxins in the brain because so many people uh, online, you know, the science trolls like, oh, toxins don't matter. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I'm like, it doesn't really work for hand grenades or mercury as far as I can tell. But uh, what's your take on toxins for the brain? What are they doing? Where are they coming from? I I think this is so important for people listening. Well, when we saw your brain, it's like, no, there's a toxin. You know, are you drinking? Are you smoking a lot of pot? Are you doing cocaine? And, you know, for you, the answer was no. And we're like, okay, well, then what else can cause it? Um, Carbon monoxide, uh, noxia, having a lack of oxygen, um, mold, mercury. uh, In in my case... When when I had my first scan done, um, you didn't look at it personally back then. We hadn't met, um, but when I showed it to you later, you're like, "Dave, this is the the brain of someone who's on street drugs, living under a bridge." And I was living in a house with toxic mold in the bedroom, and I, and you actually said this is chemically induced brain damage uh, that I had been dealing with that's since been been healed. But like that's the effect of toxins on the brain. Like it wasn't one of those things that doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. It just jacked me up. Oh, it's so devastating. And you know, for me, I ask myself. So I'm a psychiatrist. Why do I care about mold? Um, because it damages people's brains. And if it damages their brain, they look like they have ADD. They look depressed. They're having trouble getting along, being successful. Um, and it's just so important to. You know, if you see evidence of toxicity on a scan, to work it up as as fully as possible. And, you know, and how you deal with toxins is you eliminate exposure. Yeah. And then you support the four organs of detoxification, your kidneys, your gut, your liver, and your skin. Now... A lot of people are dealing with mercury now. It seems like it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Just we've been burning so much coal for so long. We've polluted our oceans and even just a lot of our our crops now. If you're not eating organic, they're taking sewage sludge that is high in mercury, and there's a limit to the amount of mercury allowed, say ten parts per million. So they'll they'll cut normal fertilizer with basically sewage sludge from big cities until it's nine parts per million, like right below the, the acceptable levels, and then they'll spray that over, over crops. And so we're getting higher mercury levels. What can people do if they have mercury in their body already? Are, are there things you recommend? Well, you know, at Amen Clinics, we're, we're not real big fans of chelating people because mm-hmm. we've seen people can become worse yes. when you do it. So it's limit exposure and then really activate your own detoxification pathways. And so for your kidneys, drink more water. Um, And I saw you have a new drink, which is really exciting. Um, We make something called Brain Boost on the Go just to encourage people to drink more. Um, Is that like a powder? I haven't tried it yet. It's a powder that uh, we're, we're excited about. It's got B6, B12, folate, and theanine. And so it helps people feel focused but not agitated, and they drink more water. And you sweeten um, that with with NutraSweet, a little bit of sucralose, and some other? 
<laughs> that was a joke. NutraSweet's really bad for your brain if you're listening and you don't know that. So it, there was this look of horror on Dr. Hammond's face when I said that. So it's clearly sweetened with something that's good for your brain, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually really like a combination of erythritol and stevia. Yeah. Uh, uh, because stevia has actually been found to have health benefits, uh, decreases, uh, lime when you put it in a petri dish with lime and uh, and erythritol. Uh, neither one of them raise your blood sugar, and and that's really important. But I don't want you to really have a lot of either one of those because it sort of primes your taste buds to want more, and uh, it just puts you at risk uh, to want more sweet things. Um, water, fiber, absolutely essential to help detoxify your body. Um, I'm a huge fan of N-acetylcysteine. And if you actually look at the studies, N-acetylcysteine is fascinating. It's what they use to help people have Tylenol overdoses yes. uh, to help the liver. But it's also got multiple studies showing it improves resistant depression. It helps with cocaine addictions, with marijuana addictions, with alcohol, and compulsive gambling. Um, which I, I just think is really fascinating. And then the skin and sweating really helps. And in uh, Memory Rescue, I talk about a study from Finland where people who took the most saunas had two-thirds lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. And I think it's because they're helping to detoxify someone's body. And so the more saunas you can do, odds are that's better for you, at least if we believe this research. Do hot tubs probably do the same thing? No. Why not? It's um, the sweating that really helps activate it. And the infrared saunas uh, penetrate deeper than just hot mm -hmm. water. And uh, my, my sense is it's not just being in hot water. It's activating your sweat gland activity as, as much as you can where you don't feel dizzy or tired or nauseous. Got it. Yeah, I definitely use Manfred sauna on occasion, but for some reason, I'm one of those guys who can sit there in it on full blast for an hour and it's 150 degrees and a half hour in I'll start sweating. But like I, my tolerance for it is much higher than most other people. So I'm like, it takes a long time for me to get benefits from an infrared sauna, at least that kind of benefit. You know, it's true for, for some people, but after like seven or eight sessions, mm -hmm. uh, it actually, your sweat gland activity will likely increase. So oh, it's almost like you have to prime it uh, to work uh, over time. All um, right. Maybe I'll, I'll just do more know, of them back to back. The, the other thing that's really important is in the book, I talk about certain apps you can download to know about your personal products. So as, as you talked about food, and I think this is the reason you need to eat organic, uh, I mean, for, for many reasons, but to decrease the toxins on your food um, is whatever goes on your body goes in your body. Yes. And so I like this app uh, called Think Dirty. And <laughs> it allows you to scan your personal products and it'll tell you on a scale of one to 10 how quickly they're killing you. And so, for <laughs> example, I, I, you know, I, and it was 
you know, I'm sort of irritated with myself because it was sort of like no thought at all. Uh, I, I always read the labels for whatever I put in my mouth. I never read the labels for whatever, whatever I put on my body. And it's like it's nuts. So soft soap, for example. Right. You know, fast soap on a scale of one to ten was a ten. And um, just horrified. Where suave, I mean, they're the same cost. They're both inexpensive. Is a five. Now, if you like yourself, which one are you going to choose? Now, I love myself, so I get something now from Africa that's a two. And right. whenever I'm in the store, whenever I buy something, I'm just, you know, I'm scanning the label into Think Dirty, or there's another app by the Environmental Working Group called Healthy Living. And I'm just going, is this good for me or bad for me? And, you know, does it have things like phthalates and parabens and fragrance that are known endocrine disruptors? So the N in bright minds is neurohormone deficiencies and low levels of testosterone or thyroid or estrogen or progesterone for women are, are known to disrupt your cognitive function. And so why am I going to put something on my body that potentially would steal the hormones that drive my happiness? We, we have a, a rule in my house. We don't put it on our skin if we wouldn't put it in our mouth. And I've, I've been working for quite a while with Alatura. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andy, uh, started it. He was a guest on Bulletproof Radio when he first talked about what he was doing for his skin. He's a, a model who recovered from a, a really bad car accident just amazingly quickly. And yeah, every ingredient on there, it, it, it's like it's, it's a food or it's a, an essential oil. And that's the stuff that I started using on my face because it wouldn't taste good. But literally, I, I could pump it in my mouth and swallow it and it wouldn't harm me. And that's the standard that I have for anything that goes on my body, uh, which is why also when I travel, uh, I bring my own soap with me because the crap they put in hotel rooms is full of stuff. You, it's not even going to be scannable by these apps because it's the cheapest possible soap with the nicest possible wrapper. Like that's how hotels do it. So just don't use hotel products. Bring your own is a little piece of advice I might offer. What, what do you think? You agree? I would. And it's an act of love. And there people go, go, oh, this is hard. And I'm like, come on, none of this is hard. <laughs> like throwing be, a bar of soap sick. in your bag is not hard. Right. I mean, and, and you know this yeah. being sick is hard, uh, yeah. doing the right thing so that you have energy and memory and motivation and vitality. Uh, it's, it's a mind shift and that's what messes people up. And the am in bright minds is mental health because we know things like ADD, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, chronic stress, all steal your brain and getting them treated, not necessarily with medication, but in the natural ways that you, know, both you and I talk about, uh, is absolutely essential to keeping your brain strong. And in the book, I tell the story of my father-in-law who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. So when Tana and I first met, um, she was estranged from him. And she got a call from her sister saying, dad's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. He's a recluse. He won't come out of his room. He's not eating. He has multiple medications. They were completely freaked out. And I'm like, well, I know what to do. And so I brought him to the clinic. We scanned him. He didn't have Alzheimer's disease. It has its own pattern on SPECT. 
Um, he had this thing we call pseudo dementia, which yeah. is you look like you have dementia, but you're really depressed. And on, I, so I got him up all of his medication, put him on some supplements, gave him some targeted exercises, created a social support system for him. And five months later, he did an all day seminar at the local church. I mean, it was miraculous. He said it was like being raised from the dead. So whenever someone gets the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, you have to look. And then if you take this bright minds approach and go after all of these risk factors for a significant number of people, they can get their minds back. Uh, that is so profound. So if, if you're listening to this and you have Alzheimer's in your family and all, it may not be Alzheimer's. A huge percentage of Alzheimer's, maybe not huge, a significant percentage of Alzheimer's uh, that's diagnosed is actually this, it's a lack of blood flow in the brain. It, it's this depression you just talked about. It's it's actually not that. And I, I think it's eminently hackable in most cases. Uh, but there are you know, some late stage Alzheimer's where um, I think pretty much no one's having success or very few people are. What, what's Is it reversible if someone's you know, had Alzheimer's for quite a while? What, what are your experiences? I mean, you've, you've had what, 40,000 so brain scans, I think. What's the cause? It, um, I had someone, Walter, 72, diagnosed with Alzheimer's, clearly going downhill. When we scanned him, he didn't have it. He had something called normal pressure hydrocephalus, which is his ventricles were too big. And when we put a shunt in his brain, he got his memory back. Uh, you have to know what's the cause or, I mean, what Memory Rescue really argues, the causes and the G in Bright Minds is genetics. Uh, and what I have come to believe is your genes are not a death sentence, should be a wake-up call. So if you have this bad issue in your family, rather than take a um, you know, laissez-faire issue, well, there's nothing I can do about it, you need to get serious and make sure you eliminate all other 10 risk factors if you can. So I use it as an activation. And a lot of people go, well, I have it in my family. I'm losing my memory. I don't really want to know. It'll be bad for my insurance. And um, and my thought is if you, well, I'll tell you a story. There's two women on a railroad bridge. It's in Ohio. And it's an active railroad bridge. It's 80 feet up in the air. And a train starts coming toward them. And the video actually sees the train run them over. Now, they oh, didn't no. die. They okay. laid down flat on the tracks. But what the hell are they doing on an active railroad bridge? <laughs> where there's no way out. And what the scan shows you is, is a train coming to hit you? Because um, wouldn't you want to know so that you can get off the track, so you can do something about it. When I first started doing imaging, as you alluded to at the top of the show, I had lots of haters. You know, it's like, oh, you shouldn't do this. There's not enough science behind it. And and they said, and if you had Alzheimer's disease, there's nothing you can do about it. So why freak people out? Well, what we now know, and I believe <laughs> them, now what we know, there's so many things you can do to optimize your mind. And that's what Headstrong's about. It's what Memory Rescue is about. Um, that I just think we should go about the business of doing. 
I, I think at this point, you've been vindicated. <laughs> like you, just, you stuck to your guns, you've got more data than anyone else. And you've also shifted though. Your very first book, which is the one that inspired me to go get a scan, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life, uh, it, it completely blew my mind, uh, what was left of it anyway. And then I, uh, I went in though, and that book though was, I would call it relatively pro-pharmaceutical. Just over the, the last 20 or so years, you've shifted from what was more like, okay, if you have this, here's the pharmaceuticals and some lifestyle stuff to your approach now is, is very functional where you say, okay, if you have this going on, start with these breathing exercises, start with this exercise, start with these dietary changes, start with these supplements, and if necessary, work with the pharmaceuticals. And, and by not being dogmatic in either direction, I, I think it, it shows a lot of progression and just a lot of open-mindedness in your own approach. What caused you to, just over the course of you know, 20 years of clinical practice, uh, to, to start being more open to the supplements maybe than you were 20 years ago when you started? Well, I wrote Change Your Brain, Change Your Life in 1998. And, and by then, I'd already begun to get excited about nutritional supplements and lifestyle interventions. And, and they're in the original version they are, yeah. of it because what I saw in 1991 when I started doing scans was many of the meds I was using were flat-out toxic to brain function. But, but the progression from 1998 to 2015 when I revised Change Your Brain, Change mm -hmm. Your Life, I mean, half the book is new. I mean, it is really a functional medicine approach to psychiatry just because I had learned so much more and had had so much more experience with supplementation and lifestyle interventions. And I'd written books like Change Your Brain, Change Your Body and uh, Use Your Brain to Change Your Age that I, I had really shifted in my thoughts. Um, to first do no harm. What are the natural things I can do? Now, if you're bipolar and suicidal, you know, I'm probably going to put you on Depakote. Or, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not stupid. Right? <laughs> I'm going to do everything I can to protect you. But, you know, if you have mood cycles and it's really the result of a traumatic brain injury, we're going to put you in a hyperbaric chamber and put you on a group of nutrients to support your brain. And then see. But if you're going to lose your marriage because you have intermittent explosive disorder, I'm probably going to use an anticonvulsant along with it. So, um, you know, I actually thank you for asking that question because it just lets me reflect on the progression of my own career. Um, and I'm a classically trained psychiatrist. You have these symptoms, take this drug. And, uh, I've completely lost that training <laughs> and have embraced uh, the, the new psychiatry. And my professional goal is to change how psychiatric medicine is practiced by adding imaging. Because if you don't look, you don't know. We should just stop lying about it. Um, right. I belong to a profession where the emperor really does not have clothes but should have scans. Um <laughs> And then the, the second innovation I want to bring to my colleagues and the people who suffer is natural ways to heal the brain. It's, there's so many things we can do that let's do those things first. And if they don't work, then we consider pharmaceutical interventions. I, I've run across a, a couple people yes, uh, in, just in the last uh, year or so 
I just got asked to review a book. Uh, I'm not going to call out the author, but it, it was pretty much, you know, here's what you can do for aging and, and your brain. And by the way, supplements are all a waste of time. And it wasn't really a pro-drug thing, but it, it was basically like, like supplements don't work and you should stop taking them all. And, and another uh, guy was really proud there, you know, oh, you know, all, all you need is, you know, breathing and sunshine and, you know, and a good diet and all this. It, I've found that supplements brought my brain back online and they give me more energy than I've ever had before. Like I, when you, when you get them dialed in, they're really, they're really good. What do you think about that, that sort of anti-supplement thing that emerges from some people? Is this because of low quality of supplements because people are misusing them or is this just like kind of old pattern behavior? Well, I think it's more pattern behavior. They didn't learn about it in medical school or wherever they went to school. And because mm -hmm. they didn't, about it, it doesn't exist. And the research behind using nutraceuticals is vast. You know, when yeah. people tell me, oh, I, I was in a debate at the American Psychiatric Association with the head of psychiatry at the University of Texas, Houston. And, and he was, you know, diminishing imaging. And he's like, you know, there's there's no research behind imaging, like there's no research behind supplements. And I'm like, how did you get through school? Don't you know how to read? Like, religion, there's tell, me over you, tell me you said that out loud. Did you ask him that out loud? I said that out loud. You know, I say that all the time to people who go, oh, there's no research. Uh, I'm like, do you know how to read? Seriously? You know, all you have to do is go to PubMed.com and yeah. in brain spec imaging, depression, OCD, dementia, traumatic brain injury. You're going to find hundreds, you know, not three, hundreds of studies. And if you type in omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to find thousands of studies um, or ginkgo and blood flow, ginkgo and memory, uh, natural standard. It's uh, a, a comp, you know, from Stanford and Harvard and NIH. They put together all this supplement research, uh, had A-level scientific evidence for memory, as did SAGE. Um, it's like, stop it. At least, you know, before you open your mouth and you say stupid things, read <laughs> the literature. Um, and, you know, and whenever people read the literature, yes, they can cherry pick this study or that study. But my personal experience. So I published a study on football players, NFL players who had been hit in the head thousands of times. And what we did for them is we put them on a multiple vitamin. High dose omega 3 fatty acids, 5.6 grams in a blend I like, higher EPA than DHA. And um, a, a, a supplement I created called Brain and Memory Power Boost that works in seven different ways. And 80% of our players showed improvement, including, so not just self report, they showed improvement in blood flow to their prefrontal cortex on spec. So that's not a placebo thing, right? A placebo thing is not actually going to improve blood flow to the focus, forethought, judgment, impulse control part of your brain. And then what we did is we did a randomized placebo-controlled uh, crossover trial on a group of sort of, quote, normal, healthy people and showed exactly the same thing, improvement in mood and memory and processing speed, he actually decreases in hostility using natural supplements. And so not only is it in the literature, but it's also our clinical experience and our research 
experience. And that's why I take a big handful of about 20 <laughs> every morning. Right? I take a oh, yeah. multiple vitamin, omega-3 fatty acids, uh, a brain boost. Uh, because I want my brain to be the best it can be. I know what <laughs> happens to people's brains over time. This year, our research team, we're doing a whole series of imaging studies on aging. And so we're going to do, we already published the world's largest brain imaging study on 46,000 scans. Well, we're going to up our game and do it on 70,000 scans. Wow. Aging diagrams from nine months of age to 104. So what happens to different parts of your brain over the life cycle? And it's bad news, right? I mean, and, and I've known this for a long time, just looking at scans, you know, like your skin, you know, as your skin falls off your face as you age, that same process happens in the brain, but both you and I know it doesn't have to. You just have to do the right things for it. That is uh, the best little uh, monologue about supplements I think I've ever heard. I'm going to excerpt that, and we're going to put that up on Facebook for people because I just, I get tired of these, uh, and some of them are well-intentioned, but when, when they say there's no evidence, here's the deal. If, if you're under 30 right now, you know you can always go find the research in about five seconds. You just go look it up for yourself. And then there's people who are over 30 where, especially if you're over 40 like I am, where the way we did research was you go to the library and, and the microfish, and then like it was really hard work to find out if there was no evidence. But at this point, if someone says there's no evidence, you can literally on your phone in the meeting look and be like, wow, here's 500 pieces of evidence. This person is either misinformed or lying. And, and they say, I don't like the evidence or there's not enough evidence. And those are different discussions. But when someone says no evidence like that, I, I just kind of roll my eyes. Uh, and and you said something else in there though, and this is you're probably the only person I've I've thought to ask this. When I was writing my very first book about fertility, this was a book called the Better Baby Book, and it was what we used to restore my wife's fertility. She was infertile, and we wanted to have kids. And I did a huge amount of research on EPA versus DHA. And for people listening, these are the two types of omega three fatty acids found in fish oil. And I determined that more EPA seem to be more important. This is going back, you know, eight, nine years when I, I did the research. And since then, there's been a lot more evidence around DHA and cell membranes and things like that. You mentioned that you're a fan of more EPA than DHA. Why is that? Well, one would think it would be DHA because it makes up a fair amount of the uh, fat in your brain. Right. But it turns out the research for ADHD is DHA doesn't matter. It's EPA. EPA works, DHA doesn't. For depression, EPA works, DHA doesn't. Now, it seems like for anxiety that DHA is important and for memory, DHA is important. But for clearly at least 50% of the patients I see, um, EPA is critically important. And so I like a balance of about 60% DHA, 40 of EPA, 40% DHA. Um, I just published a study. So, I mean, it's, so now we can talk about the I in bright minds. See, I'm okay. attached to the letters and the I is inflammation. Nice. And inflammation, nice. you know, comes from the Latin word, uh, to set a fire. And when you have 
low-level inflammation in your body, it's like you have a fire that's destroying your organs. And one of the major causes of inflammation in the body is low levels of omega-3 fatty acids. And I did a study here at Amen Clinics where we did the omega quant test. It's a measure of how much EPA, DHA, and omega-3 you have in your body. An optimal range is 8% or above. 49 of our 50 patients had below 8%. 49 of 50. And then we published another study where we looked at hippocampal size Mm-hmm. And your omega-3 fatty acid level, the hippocampus was smaller in people who had lower levels of omega-3. So if you think of a major cause of Alzheimer's disease, a major cause of depression, a major cause of heart disease and pain, that 95% of the population is low in Omega-3. And how simple is it to fix? Although you said something earlier that was interesting, that a lot of us are suffering from higher mercury levels in large part because we think we should be eating fish. And I would actually make the argument that taking high quality, uh, clean omega-3 fatty acids and fish oil, it's probably healthier for you than eating a lot of fish because of the contaminants and toxins that that are fish but everybody should get their c-reactive protein uh yes. measure checked it's a simple blood test it's a measure of inflammation and if your level is over one you should be concerned uh, that is one of the the four key things that i recommend everyone on the bulletproof diet gets is uh, it's C-reactive protein, homocysteine, and LPPLA2, which is a measure of whether you have damage to the lining of your arteries from some sort of inflammation. Uh, and then the fourth one, well, actually, there's a bunch of stuff that you could go there. But if, if you have low inflammation, you're probably going to like your brain. Uh, that's, that's one thing that I've, I've learned. And then there's all these other things around taking some fish oil. Uh, what about rancidity? In fish oil? Like you can get some cheap fish oil supplements you know, in giant, giant jars, uh, at discount places, what happens if you're using low-quality fish oil? Um, well, it doesn't work. So our copyright here at Amen Clinics, uh, Lorenzo, when he first started working for us, I, I like to measure my employees if they allow me to. <laughs> me <And> so, too. <laughs> so he's taking um, you know, one of the big box stores fish oil, and his omega-3 fatty acid level was 5 when it should be 8% or above. And so I had him stop that and gave him ours, omega-3 power, um, two capsules a day, and his level three months later was 10. So quality matters. Plus, you know, if you read a lot of labels, so, so rancidity matters, and so you want to make sure the expiration date is there, and you want to make sure you have a high-quality brand. And I, I know I really care about quality like you really care about quality. Um, but then you have to actually read the label on yeah. uh, how much is it. So two of our capsules have 1,446 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, uh, where two capsules at one of the big box stores may have 120 milligrams. So you know, I recommend kids get at least a thousand milligrams, uh, adults 
1400 or often more. And if you're in a repair situation, it's more like five grams. Now, uh, we're going really deep on this. And I, I think it, it's awesome, A, because you really know what you're talking about. And B, a lot of people listening to Bulletproof Radio, I mean, we're at 400 and almost 450 episodes now. They've definitely heard get your omega threes, but you've got details here. And some of these aren't even in, in memory rescue, but I, I think people listening are going to change their habits based on this. What I've seen studies where people take so much fish oil uh, that it affects their cell membrane integrity. Like, like you've basically gone too far where uh, you, you don't have the other fatty acids that are required there. Do you have a concern about too much fish oil over long periods of time? You know, I've personally never seen it as a problem okay. with my patients, but I, the only people I know who are taking um, like 20 grams of fish right, oil right. are in head trauma uh, recovery programs. And, uh, but you know, people say, oh, you should worry about bleeding or bruising. I, I haven't seen that as a significant problem. Got it. You know, I mean, clearly the other problem is worse, right? If 49 of the 50 people who came in not taking fish oil had low levels, I'm much more concerned we're, we're not quite where we need to be, which then, you know, leads me to the other eye, which is immunity and infections and vitamin D and low levels of vitamin D are rampant in this country. And, and you probably know this, but if you have a vitamin, so normal level, uh, according to the literature is 30 to a hundred, um, I think it's nanograms per deciliter. But if you're over 40 compared to someone who's under 20, you have half the risk of cancer. Just think of that. Just that one thing. <laughs> You're over 40 compared to people who are under 20. You have half the risk of cancer. And when I first tested my level, maybe 10 years ago, you know, I'm really switching in my head to becoming an integrative medicine psychiatrist, is mine was 17. Wow, that's and bad. I, and I live in Southern California where the sun's always out, except I'm not always out, right? right? I'm right. working. And just getting my level up and optimized, my appetite went away. It's when I, I, I did a big study. So the D in, memory, in Bright Minds is diabetes. And I published a study that said as your weight went up, the size and function of your brain went down. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, I coined the term called the dinosaur syndrome, big body, little brain, you're going to get extinct. And I'm like, no. But the thing that helped me lose those 30 pounds was vitamin D because my appetite went away. Where before, wow. I, you know, I try, 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 and, you know, the evening, I'm just always hungry. And all of a sudden, I'm not hungry anymore because when vitamin D levels are low, leptin, the hormone that tells your brain to stop eating, doesn't work. And you become leptin resistant and like, well, that was simple. It, it's it, on my top 10 list of supplements on the blog. It has been since I think, since I started the blog really within the first you know, week of writing. Like if you're not taking some vitamin D, you're just, you're missing out because it's so cheap, but also you got to get some sunshine to activate it, uh, which is something that I, I didn't add until, you know, halfway through my, you know, my recommendations there where it's, it's like a little bit of sunlight seems to do good things for us. It's well, and the dermatologist won. They yeah. made us afraid 
of the sun, even though you were made or you evolved in the sun. Right. And so the sun is critical. Now, never get burned. I mean, you know, let's not yeah. be stupid. But, but let's not be afraid of it, because when we were growing up, kids actually went outside and played. And, you know, the incidence of learning and behavior problems in children has tripled since 1990. And, I'm, you know, I'm not okay with that. And there's so many societal factors, but one of them is their vitamin D levels are terrible. Wow. Well, I'm, I, I'm happy everyone listening, like if, if you're not doing your vitamin D, like, come on. <laughs> Vitamin D fish oil are, are actually both on that list uh, and certainly on your top list. Uh, I want to talk about traumatic brain injury, which isn't really a main focus in your book, Memory Rescue. Uh, but oh, but uh, it is. It is. It is. The uh, H in bright minds is head trauma. Ah, that's true. But it's not the main focus. It's like 5% of your focus in the book. It's in there, right? I, I, not to say it's not. That's one of the 11. Okay, there we go. Let's, let's talk about uh, that. And, and specifically, I, I got her permission before this. Um, my wife, uh, Dr. Lana, uh, stood up from her desk recently and hit her, her, uh, left temple on a cabinet door that had swung open and gave herself a concussion, like with full on concussive symptoms. Can't remember stuff. She's actually smarter than I am and remembers things better than I am, but don't tell her I said that. And, uh, she literally overnight was you know, sleeping 20 hours a day. It was just wrecked. So I, uh, I flew her down to, uh, to see, uh, to one of the Amen brain clinics, one closest to us. So she wouldn't have to be in an airplane for a long time to come down to Southern California where you are. Uh, and we got her spec scan and sure enough, there was, there was clear evidence of a recent, but not too bad, uh, traumatic brain injury. And you also found, uh, uh, evidence of, you know, like childhood traumatic brain injuries. And it, it's the same thing that, like when we're doing the 40 years of Zen, we do a, a 24 channel EEG scan. And, and something like 90% of people who come through have some evidence of like an old TBI from when they were two and they fell out of their high chair and, and stuff like that that are still in the brain. Uh, so uh, two questions for you. Should we be paying attention to old traumatic brain injuries? And what should we do if we just hit ourselves in the head hard enough to cause damage? So let's go with that first one. Like, like, what about old traumatic brain injuries? Should we pay attention to them? And if so, what should we do about them? So when I first started doing scans, one of the things I learned almost immediately is mild traumatic brain injuries ruin people's lives and nobody knows about it. Because yeah. they see psychiatrists or psychologists or marriage and family counselors. When at least 50% of our patients uh, who have mental health issues they're a result of having a past traumatic brain wow. injury. And we see it on scans and traumatic brain injuries. 90% of the time affect your frontal lobes, focus, forethought, judgment, impulse, control, um, and your temporal lobes, memory, learning, mood stability, temper control. And so um, it's just it's a, it's a monster issue. You know, I, I think of it as the silent epidemic. You should never let your kids play sports that put them at risk for traumatic brain injuries. It's that important. If your brain runs everything you do, um, you have to protect it, that protecting it is a sign of love. Um, so if you're struggling with your mood or your temper or learning or impulse control, ask yourself, have you ever had a brain injury? Now, we've... Um, 
and I got to chat with your wife, who um, just was really, it was great um, to chat with her. It's like, well, have you ever had another brain injury? And so many people, they'll go, no, no, no. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's like he forgot about it. And sudden, actually, it turns out, I, you know, I was unconscious for several days when I was whatever age. And you're like, I, that might have been a brain injury. You just say, right? But but we forget it. We, we forget. And they tend to stack on each other. And so, you know, having a, you know, quote, mild uh, concussion on top of trouble in the past can actually make it much worse because the reserve in your brain is less to start with, even though, like in Lana's case, she's bright and highly accomplished. Um, it's her reserve wasn't there. And so brain reserve is a concept I think about and write about a lot. Um, and it's really a culmination of, well, what have you experienced through your life that has enhanced your reserve or has stolen your reserve? So um, it's such a huge issue. If you've had it in the past, the most important thing, like within our NFL study, is to put the brain in a healing environment. And that's why we really like hyperbaric oxygen. It's why we like brain-supportive supplements, um, a brain-enhancing diet, and memory rescue. There's a whole chapter, and this awesome table that I created for each of the risk factors. Here are the things to eat and here are the things not to eat. If you want to support blood flow or you want to support healing from traumatic brain injury. And traumatic brain injury turns that shrimp is awesome because it boosts acetylcholine. Wild uh, caught shrimp, right? Not, not the Vietnamese well, uh, chemical shrimp. <laughs> of course. And you know, and a great website that I really like is seafoodwatch.org that can help you with what is the most sustainable. Um, And so for each of the risk factors, it's what are the supplements, what are the foods that you can do to optimize it? Along with, if you've had, you know, a significant brain injury and then a concussion, it's how do I prevent the next one? And and being really purposeful about that. Um, I saw my... uh, you know Shailene Johnson, yeah. I think. And so Shailene came to see us two years ago. And she's talked about this publicly. Uh, and she had ADD and she has family history of Alzheimer's disease. And her brain is was terrible. And, you know, she's beautiful. And her brain wasn't. And that really irritated her. But she's like you. She's a high-performance individual. And those are always my favorite patients because they'll do what I ask them to do. <laughs> Patient compliance. <laughs> she, just, right? she just did everything. And two years later, her brain's dramatically better. And I asked her um, last week when I was chatting with her, uh, we went through each of the bright minds risk factors. So I do that with my patients. And, you know, so what are you doing here? And what are you doing here? And do we need to retest this? And I'm like, okay, head trauma. And what are you doing differently? And she said, you know, I used to do high risk activities. You know, I would look for that mountain to ski where, you know, I was going to get that dopamine dump that we talked about. And she's like, I don't do that anymore. I look at it. I assess the risks. And if it's dangerous, I don't do it. And I don't do it because I love my brain. There's a, a map of how you can get into the, the flow states. 
And the guys behind the Flow Genome Project, I was uh, one of the the first, in fact, I was the first investor in, in the Flow Genome Project, like like figuring out the state of flow. And one of the things that, that will put you there is these high-risk extreme sports. And that's you got, there's a dopamine effect and there's a, a cascade of neurochemicals. But man, you're not going to be in a flow state if you whack your head doing that. Like Josh Perry, the pro BMX biker, with a, he actually had a brain tumor and some, some TBIs. Uh, and I, I'm to the point now, where, like the easiest way to get in a state of flow is by serving others, <laughs> which is like the least talked about <laughs> one, but it actually works. And, and there are, there's neuroscience behind that. And you're not going to get a TBI serving others. Uh, at least it's not very likely. And, and it, uh, like you, I mean, my, my kids, my son really wants to play soccer. He can go play soccer you know, recreationally because he's eight in, you know, after school, but I'm not going to put him in a competitive league the way I was. Uh, because I, I still remember, you know, head, heading a ball that was kicked by a goalie from across the thing, and there's no way a, a 12-year-old should be doing that. And and I know that they've taken some steps in soccer, and I, I still like soccer. But man, I'm not going to put my brain or my kids' brains at risk because they can still take appropriate risks with, you know, t- to learn and grow and face their fear without having to take unreasonable risks for their brains. But but let's say you do hit your head. Like I, at Burning Man last year, I took a, a titanium knee to the head uh, in, a, in a flying on a bungee cord situation. Yeah, it's Burning Man. And I had a, a pretty bad TBI from this. And I immediately, literally, fortunately, I'm in a camp full of you know functional medicine people. So I, we gathered everyone's fish oil because everyone travels with it. Who knows what they're doing? And I took all of it. <laughs> and I started on <laughs> progesterone. And I took you know 10 unfair advantages uh, which is our the bulletproof uh, PQQ plus CoQ10 in a delivery system, uh, and a whole bunch of of keto prime, anything that would support mitochondrial function. And it was the last day of running anyway, so I got home and continued on this. And of course, I don't eat fried stuff anyway that jacks up your brain. Uh, and I stayed on that program, and I did some neurofeedback and some hyperbaric, and I recovered very quickly from what was a really hard hit. Like within five minutes of being hit, I, I couldn't look at lights and sounds were too loud. I was all messed up. What should someone do? Like, what what are the first steps uh, if you've just been whacked in the head? Uh, like, like, what do you do? What do you not do? Uh, like, like, how do we minimize damage? Well, I mean, you you don't put yourself at risk for again because right, seconds right. can be lethal. I put my patients well when I will scan them right, because right. your scan is good right after that. It's a hundred percent prediction that you're going to be okay. If your scan is not good, you have to then do all the right things for it. Um, so omega-3 fatty acids, some evidence, although not as good as we like for progesterone, um, get rid of any pro-inflammatory foods, including sugar. Um, and then if you're light sensitive, one of the things to be screened for is the Erlen syndrome. So I've actually seen the Erlen syndrome, and I know you know Helen. She's a good uh, friend. Very common after traumatic brain injuries. In fact, I have a lot of hockey players who tint their masks, uh, the color that really helps their brain process. Let's, so let's do a quick, a quick plug for Helen's work. Helen's been on Bulletproof Radio. It's Erlen.com, I-R-L-E-N. And she figured out if you've had a TBI or you have other brain stuff going on, certain colors of light just mess with you. I got my brain back when I got my own lens. It's like it really made a difference for me. And I've become less sensitive as my brain has become healthier and healthier. 
Um, but what a game changer. So, and you're, you've done a lot of work uh, with your spec scan showing the changes that, that just a color change can make. So um, I think Helen just deserves recognition. So thank you for bringing her name up. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is just transformative for many people who've had traumatic brain injuries yeah. in, in the past. Um, and then, you know, I, I like basic supplements. So multiple vitamin, omega-3 fatty acids, and then a brain boost. I like ginkgo, benpositine, because they help to support blood flow, um, and acetylcysteine, acetyl-L-carnitine. Um, just, just some basic brain nutrients that can be okay. really helpful. Beautiful. So if you're listening and you just got whacked in the head, um, there's a good list right here. It'll be in the show notes for you. Uh, on what to do. And if you read Bright Minds, I think you'll uh, actually read Memory Rescue. Sorry, Bright Minds is your, is your an acronym. Uh, but uh, it, you'll find a lot of information here about how to, how to recover more quickly, just if you follow the, the basic Bright Minds recommendations, even if you've had a TBI, I think you're going to be better off. Correct. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show. I know you've got a patient to see. Uh, and I've already asked you this, but I'm going to ask you one more time because you've just written another New York Times bestseller, or maybe soon to be. Uh, we shall see. Uh, <laughs> and someone came to you tomorrow, Dr. Amen, and said, look, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being, uh, you know, not just my job, not just my sport, whatever, but just being a human. Three most important pieces of advice you'd have for them based on where you are now in your career. What would you say are the three most important things? It's funny, I just started working on uh, my new show for next year and my new book. It's called Success Starts Here. Nice. And uh, obviously, that's between your ears. At least that's you know how I sort of perceive the world. People don't think about that or care about it enough. So three pieces of advice and then one habit. All right. So three pieces. I, I figured this out a number of years ago, and I actually horrified myself. I can summarize my work in three words. So... <laughs> Word number one is care. You have to care about your brain. Nobody cares about their brain because you can't see it, right? You can see the wrinkles in your skin or the fat around your belly, and you can do something when you're unhappy with it. But because nobody looks at their brain, they often don't know until it's too late. Right. So care. Uh, I think looking at the brain, that's what it did for me. I started caring about it. Um, the second word is Stop doing things that hurt your brain. And you need to know what the list is. We have a high school course. Oh, by the way, let me just tell people this. We have a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25. Uh, 42 states, seven countries. We decided to give it. it free. So if you just let your group know that go to Brain Thrive by 25, they can get it for free, 12 weeks, 24 hours. And if the business model, if they want to upgrade and get three college units of credits, it's only $300. Oh, cool. Uh, from, and get psychology credits from Corbin University in Oregon. But it's, it's a wonderful course. But after we do the things you should stop, invariably, a 15-year-old boy will raise his hand and go, how can you have any fun? <laughs> and so a game with them called Who Has More Fun? The kid with the good brain or the kid with the bad brain? Yeah. Who gets the girl and gets to keep her because he's not a jerk. <laughs> who gets into the college he wants to get into, who makes the most money, who takes the coolest vacations, the good with the good brain. Miley Cyrus and I are friends, and uh, I published a study on marijuana in December, and I sent it to her, and afterwards she stopped smoking pot. I'm so proud of her. She's just wow. running life around. 
And I texted her before a big lecture I was going to give to teenagers. And I said, so are you having more fun with your good habits or the bad ones? And she immediately texted me back. She said, ha, good, by a billion. Wow. And so stopping is never deprivation <coughs> of love. So care, stop, do. Do the right things every day. And the one little tiny habit, because you and I are both interested in behavior change, is I figured it out for brain health. The one thing you should do every day is ask yourself, is what I'm going to do today good for my brain or bad for it? Nice. And if I choose good, that's the ultimate sign of love for myself and love for my family. Very nice. What a, what a great way to end the show. Thank you, my friend. Now, for people to find out more about your book, they can clearly go wherever you buy books and find a copy of Memory Rescue. Is there any website they should go to? There's amonclinics.com. Anywhere else? Well, if they go to memoryrescue.com, um, if they pre-order the book, they'll actually get a whole bunch of free gifts, including uh, a PDF of one of my wife's cookbooks, Live Longer with the Brain Doctor's Wife. So we would love for them to do that. Uh, but memoryrescue.com has a lot of free resources for people. Beautiful. Thanks for your life's work, Dr. Amen. It's had a profound effect on my ability to do what I do, like, like more profound probably than you know. So thank you. Keep doing what you're doing for many more years and uh, keep calling it like it is. Great. Well, love to you. Love to Lana. Hopefully I'll see you soon. Looking forward to it. Okay. Take care. Okay. Take care. All right. We got it. I will catch you later. All right, my friend. Take care. Thanks. If you like today's episode, you know what to do. Pick up a copy of Dr. Amen's new book because it's got stuff in there that's going to be good for your brain, good for you, good for your performance. And uh, he's, uh, he's a luminary in the field. I'm super happy to have had him on the show. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.